This text from Luke made me think about when exactly people first show up. A teacher, for example, does not first show up on graduation day. Look at the students and ask, so, have you learned everything you need to know? Because I've got diplomas. A doctor does not wait to show up for their patient until after the patient's symptoms have gone away. A college coach does not recruit high school talent by walking into the athlete's living room and say to her, now, I'll show up if you win the championship. Until then, we will not see each other. I'm your coach, so I just show up at the end, at the end once you're a winner. Coaches make winners. Doctors heal sick people. Teachers teach those without knowledge. This is one of the points Luke, the gospel writer, is trying to make as he describes this call of the disciples. Luke has already told the story of Jesus being born. He's the only gospel writer to include a story about Jesus as a boy. And then we hear about his baptism, immediately followed by his temptation. And once he remains faithful to life and selfless love through all those temptations, Jesus' ministry begins. And that ministry looks like Jesus teaching and healing and preaching. And then we come upon today's text. The crowds are starting to get big for Jesus. He's gaining a reputation. Apparently, there was an uncomfortable number of people gathered as he's on the lake shore. So Jesus commandeers Simon's boat and Jesus asks Simon to put out a little way. And Jesus continues to teach from there. Then we're told that when he'd finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water, let your nets down for a catch. Master, we've worked all night long and have caught nothing. Yet if you say so, I, I will let down the nets. Simon's response is a pretty gigantic deal here. And I'll get back to it in a little bit. But for now, I want you to hear again what Simon Peter says to Jesus after they caught so many fish that their nets began to break. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching people. See, Peter feels unworthy of the attention of Jesus. Just being present with Peter makes Peter say, go away from me, Lord, for I'm a sinful man. It's almost like Peter is saying, I don't want my sinfulness to rub off on you. You're, you're holy, you're clean, you're pure even, and I'm me. My stink, my brokenness, my failures, you don't want to be caught around a loser like me. I'm a sinful man, go away from me. Have you ever felt this way? Unworthy to be in the presence of Someone you know is greater than yourself? About a month into my freshman year of college, intramural basketball teams were starting to come together. It sounded like fun to me, a good way to get to know some people. The guy in the dorm room next to mine, Corey, asked me to join a team that he was putting together. Sure, I said. He was really friendly. I was excited, actually. Somebody had asked me. And he told me we were going to practice the next afternoon. Cool. Now, Corey was not an enormous guy, but I'll bet he was 6'3", way taller than me. I later learned he'd led his own high school to a state championship in Minnesota for the past two years. He was really good. So we got to practice, and in addition to Corey, there was Brandon, 6'6". There was Eric, 6'4". And Charlie, who was only six feet tall. 
Then there was me. I'm 5'10", you know, but talk about a warm body as the fifth guy. The only reason I started on my high school basketball team during my senior year was because three or four real starters were sick or hurt. I'm not the most physical player. I was never as strong with the ball as I could have been, but I'm positive I'm a good guy to have on the team. So at that first practice, I was positive I didn't belong with these people. I was thinking something like, you know, get away from me, guys, for I am a very average basketball player. Maybe you felt that way in a group of friends who seem kind of too cool for you or too smart for you to hang around. Or maybe you felt overwhelmed at a, at a job or in a class. You know, you're going to want to move on from me, boss, director, teacher, coach. You don't know how much I'm trying to fake my way through this moment. I'm in over my head here. You don't want me. You can just put that right on your, on your forehead. Some of us have even felt this way among our own family. You know, maybe our parents and siblings and even our extended family has created so much pressure. And maybe the pressure is self-inflicted, but sometimes some of us feel like our own family shouldn't want me. So how about Jesus, a Savior? If I felt unworthy trying to play basketball with these tall people who were quite good. Did I mention they could all dunk? I mean, at that point, I think I could touch the rim. Anyway, if we have ever felt unworthy enough to hang out with a certain group of people or to try to work with really talented co-workers, how must Peter have felt to have Jesus inviting him to do the work of God? No, really, Jesus, you don't want me. (laughs) Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man, he says. How Jesus responds to Peter tells us a lot about God, about who God calls, and about when God shows up in our lives. Peter gives Jesus this opportunity for a do-over. Pick somebody else. Pick somebody more worthy, somebody less sinful. And in this moment, Jesus looks into the eyes of this sinner, Peter, and says, do not be afraid. From now on, you We'll be catching people. And from that moment, Peter, sinner, followed Jesus. See, this is the way of Jesus. He doesn't look for bright spots amidst the darkness so that he can build on what's already there. Jesus does not wait for saints to rise up as though he'll only work with the cream of the crop. As a teacher, he's not interested in only rewarding the ones who already have a diploma. As a coach... He's not going to wait for these people to somehow become winners on their own and then show up with them as our Savior. He does not stand at the finish line of our lives, at our deaths, having watched us flail around through life's struggles and then say, well, you passed enough of the tests. You're worthy to be with me now at the end. I guess I'll save you from this death now because You've earned it. You deserve it. No, Jesus looks for the darkest places and brings his light into those places. He looks for sinners and brings forgiveness to them in their sin. He looks for death and brings life into it. Jesus Jesus extends holiness into impure places. 
The very next story Luke has to tell is about Jesus cleansing a leper. (laughs) And then he heals a paralytic. Jesus is not doing the easy stuff. And then he calls a tax collector of all people to follow him. I mean, that's basically a hat trick of unworthy, of sinfulness. But as he says when he explains himself to the Pharisees and scribes, when they question how Jesus chooses to put himself in the lives of these sinners with their dirty little souls, Jesus says, I have come to call not the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Peter thinks he's the wrong guy to be doing God's work. Jesus makes it clear he is exactly the kind of person God chooses to be with. He's exactly the kind of person God chooses to save. Not later, after Peter has proven himself. Not later, after Peter makes himself worthy somehow. God wants this saving work to start now. Leave everything, follow me, let's go. This is why we do infant baptisms, by the way. If baptism is God's promise of life and love poured into a sinful human life, if baptism is when God extends holiness into impure places, Jesus shows that God does that kind of grace-filled work at the beginning of things, not after someone somehow makes their self ready. Peter wasn't ready or worthy, and neither was I at my baptism. And I would suggest there's never been a human being ready to be claimed by God. There's never been a human worthy of God's forgiveness. And yet here we are, claimed and forgiven. And we will be sent again to respond to God's grace today and tomorrow. Peter was told, from now on, you will be catching people. Maybe not a great metaphor in a world that's becoming more aware of things like human trafficking, but Jesus is offering a spiritual metaphor to a fisherman. And his point is, you feel unworthy, maybe you are even unworthy, but I'm giving you some work to do anyway because when you follow me, when you obey me, you are made worthy. Follow me, obey me, and love happens. Life happens. Forgiveness, peace, hope joy, I, Jesus, happen. We're able to live into all those feelings and realities because Jesus leads us there. We're so lost without him. We can't find our way out of jealousy and greed and fear and death. Like the Israelites who wandered the wilderness for 40 years, we'd wander too if not for Jesus leading us to a promised land, a new creation. The world had not made itself worthy to host the Son of God. And yet Jesus was born into into this world at that first Christmas. Peter and you and I, we didn't make ourselves deserving of God's call or his presence with us in our lives. And yet through baptism, through communion, God calls us and then continues to offer his real presence through all the ages and stages of our lives. This church we call First Lutheran has not achieved a purity certification level that qualifies us to to do God's work And yet God commands us to put out the nets in deep water and have a catch. I do love that part of the story. And I said I'd get back to it. Peter says, we've tried that already. We caught nothing. But I guess if you say so, we'll try again. There's no reason to expect anything different to happen if you're Peter. But because Jese commanded it, he obeys. 
And Jesus shows, even amidst this unpromising situation, that abundance comes from obeying God's guidance. Churches seek to obey God. Together, the members of a faith community discern what obeying God looks like, what it means, and then we ask together, what work of God are sinners like us called to do now? Because as much as we may want to throw up our arms at the challenges our culture presents us with, as much as we may not feel up to the task of giving voice to the voiceless or parenting a child in a world where faith shaping is getting pushed to the margins more and more, God again today extends his holiness into this flawed community, into our imperfect lives, knowing full well all our limitations and says, come and follow me anyway. Thanks be to God. Amen.